right up front, please don't hang us. Because Martin wow. said that uh, you guys would hang us if we did five questions instead of three. Uh, yep. this, Yeah, it's you scared very, me. You spooked a, me, Martin. It's a very intense intro. Uh, it is, I know, right? You're going to hang them out to dry. All right, uh, we're going to do a different kind of episode this week. This isn't something that I'm going to commit to doing often, but I did get an email. Oh, man, I'm I'm, I'm very scared that I'm opening a can of worms yep. here. Yep. I'm very scared. You know what you're doing. <sighs> I do this to myself. Anyway, I got an email from somebody, um, and I'm going to anonymize a little bit of her backstory because I didn't ask her if I could share her questions and her story on the podcast. So um, we're going to... I thought that her questions were good. Basically, I got an email. Um, I thought the subject line was interesting because she was like, I don't mind if you only answer with one line. But then the email had five questions in it. And I'm like, how could I possibly answer with only one line if I'm going to do any sort of answering in this email? We got an email this week. And uh, we have a person who's asking about creating a business, somebody who wants to go be an entrepreneur potentially in the future. And this is a topic that I love. Because, I mean, obviously we do it every day. And it's something that I think is going to become um, a more and more enticing and viable career path for people going into the future. You know, employment is certainly a thing, but I think the ability for people to build their own businesses and work for themselves is just increasing over time as new tools and new opportunities open up because of the interwebs Yep, and other things, you know. So today we are going to go through one email, which was not sent by a lame superhero or an ancient philosopher, but indeed was sent by a student. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of her backstory and then we're going to go through her questions. And these all relate to starting your own business. Uh, and if that's something you're interested in, then hopefully this episode will be helpful for you. Otherwise, we have many other episodes, right? Uh, but this is episode, what is it, 144? Is that right? I have the number I right? I believe so. Yes. 144. So if you want to find show notes for anything we happen to discuss in this episode, any kind of resources that we mention, and I'm sure we probably will, uh, CIGpodcast.com slash 144 is where you can go to find those resources. So this is a question from Megan, and uh, she is a first year chemical engineering student in Harvard University, actually. So she said she... Worked really hard to get into Harvard. She was super ambitious in high school. She worked just nonstop, basically, to get into this degree program. And uh, now that she's in it, she finds that it's not actually that fulfilling. And at least from her perspective, it seems like the career path she's on is to get this degree in engineering and then to go work for a major corporation, be a cog in the system. And for her, that's not the life she wants. So she's thinking, I want to do my own business, right? And I don't exactly know how to do it. So here's five questions for you since you have done it and I haven't, right? So we're just going to go through these questions. Um, Martin, I know you have some some business building experience. In fact, actually, you have more than just CIG because you and a friend actually started a, oh, a record yeah. label back in high school. We did like a music collective. That was cool. Yeah. So, I mean, that that resulted yeah, in some cool stuff happening. Things. You just never know. I can see your uh, your you nose and your I've mouth. Done. That's all that I have, actually, today. <laughs> all you have is a nose and a well, mouth? If you look at it at the right perspective, my nostrils are eyes. That's creepy. I don't like that. <laughs> all right, fixing the webcam. Here okay. we go. <laughs> Ugh. 
Like I envisioned it, and then it was bad. Yeah, I didn't and then like it. Turns it. out that it's really creepy. I watched a PewDiePie video recently where he like photoshopped somebody's nostrils to where their eyes were supposed to be, and I didn't like it. And you just gave me flashbacks. You triggered me. I'm sorry. I'm I'm gonna have to go to therapy now. I'm sorry. That's uh, fine. Podcast over. Really? No, not for real though. Oh, okay, we're gonna <laughs> keep going. We're keeping going. So we're the good. first question is, so she's, I mean, keep in mind, she's 19. She's a freshman at this point, And she's asking, how can I prepare for starting my own business over the next few years? So I, I'm going to answer this question straight up when I can, but I want to start out by sharing something that I've sort of noticed about my own career path as an entrepreneur. Every single step in my career uh, whether it's becoming a successful full-time blogger, whether it's, you know, going on TV or something, or whether it's like becoming a successful YouTuber, uh, publishing my own book that has done quite well on Amazon, all that kind of stuff. It has never started as me, you know, at the beginning saying, I'm going to go do that. A lot of people, I think, when they're talking about entrepreneurship and they're talking about building a business, they will tell you to dream big, have huge goals, and just hustle and work until your eyes fall out, until your arms fall off, basically, <laughs> until you achieve them. And I don't want to knock that philosophy. I'm totally cool with having big goals. Uh, you know, I like the idea of it. But when I look back on my past, huge goals, I do have them. I have my impossible list, all that kind of stuff. But it has been, I think it's been more a process of just looking forward, having a stretch goal, maybe something that I can see that seems, that seems achievable, but tough. Um, but also seems like a little experiment I can do. College Info Geek was originally just a blog I started because I got rejected from writing for another blog, which it was a bigger blog. They had a whole team of writers and they were looking to basically replace some of the team who was graduating and moving on. And I didn't make the cut. They must have hired somebody else. So I wasn't thinking I'm going to go start my own huge blog that's just as big as theirs and that eventually becomes a career for me. It was more, I have this post I wrote for them and they didn't take it. So why don't I just make my own blog? And hey, you know, if I write once a week or so, maybe, you know, once a month, even that, I can show my progress to a recruiter or to an interviewer. And when I'm applying for a job, I can say, hey, I had this side project. It was something that sets me apart from those students, you know, but as you get into it, as you make those little, those little uh, experiments happen, now your the sphere of opportunities you have, the skills you have, the things that are open to you, it grows. Yeah, because you're just doing stuff that's just ever so slightly out of your comfort zone, ever so slightly out of what you're currently doing. Yeah. And eventually it's a lot more than what you were doing a year ago. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of how it's been, you know, with everything with, uh, with podcasting. I just was like, I'm going to add a podcast to the feed of blog posts. Cause I think it'll be fun. I'm going to start making YouTube videos because I think it would be cool to mix in the occasional YouTube video with blog posts. I was already a blogger. I didn't have this huge vision of myself in the future being a professional YouTuber or any of that. It was just I think it would be cool to have videos. Yeah, you, you know? weren't like, how long was it going to take me to get 400,000 subscribers? Yeah. How long? What do I need to do? That wasn't really a plan. I think when I started YouTubing, after the first maybe three or four videos, 
and I had sort of learned that, oh, wow, videos are fun to make. I like the editing process. I like all the creativity I can put in. I think I sat down and I was like, okay, it'd be cool if within two years I could get 10,000 subscribers. You did know, you did you hit that? I think I think we smashed. Oh, we smashed through that goal. Just like you should smash that like button. And yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, YouTube. There's no like button on podcasts. Yep. Which is a good thing. It's because nobody likes them. That's not why. Nobody likes a like button. That's not why. No, nobody <laughs> likes podcasts. You can't put a like button. They're oh. Nobody likes them. Yeah, they're just like I guess I'll listen to their podcast. Yep. But seriously, okay. So I I say that because. I think it all boils down to uh, when you're asking yourself, how can I prepare to start my own business? Identify a little experiment that you could do that might help you with that, whether it's starting a blog or whether it's maybe getting an internship with a startup or just, you know, just something volunteering with a business or or, joining the entrepreneurship group on campus. Maybe one freelance client. Right. Yeah. You've never done that. That's testing out your skills to see if they're business worthy. Or if you, you know, and I, I don't see anything in this email from Megan saying that, uh, you know, I have an exact career area that I would like to start a business in. She doesn't seem like she has so it's a business she wants to make. She just seems like she wants to be a business owner. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. A lot of people will say, oh, you got to have a niche. You got to have a thing you want to do, you know, and at some point you will. But there is nothing wrong with simply wanting the type of life that entrepreneurship will give you. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be an independent, autonomous person who can make your own decisions, who basically is the captain of their own ship. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but if you are, if that's where you're starting and you don't have a, a, you know, a solid, well-rounded business idea, you're going to have to make some experiments. You're going to have to just start branching out and trying things. Part of that may actually be doing an internship in your career or major area which may expose you to what you don't like to do. It may expose you to people who could help you in the future. You never know. So for me, preparing myself for my business, quote unquote, was just doing little things like starting a blog, like joining business council at my university and uh, volunteering to be their website coordinator, which meant I had to design their website. It was taking a web design class, even though the class was, it ended up not being uh, super challenging for me. I ended up helping a lot of people in that class which actually led to some freelance clients. Cool. Start small, experiment. Do kind of find a skill that you have or a skill you'd like to develop. If you think there's a potential for that to be profitable, even if you don't see it leading to a huge company, if you see it leading to maybe a freelance client, uh, a side hustle, some sort of income like that. You did Radiant Web. Yeah, I did Radiant Web Design. Uh, I started that in high school, actually. I just, I made websites for my marketing teacher in high school. Uh, I made a website for my detasseling boss and for those of you who don't know detasseling is like a job in cornfields where you walk through and you basically pull the top off the corn plant i did that job as a 14 year old kid i worked for my boss jeff for like three years and after the third summer he was like hey you know how to make websites right i need a website where i can post the news every week for like where i where the kids need to go to be picked up by the the buses and what fields we're going to be detasseling in can you make that sure you know, made more money building him that website than I did an entire summer of work in the cornfields. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, but it was, it was small little experiments, which actually started with me building my own websites for bands and stuff that I liked. Just fun little projects. Another thing you can do is, I think, learn about business. So let me give you a couple of resource recommendations here. If you really want to get into, uh, at least prepare yourself for starting a business, 
read The Personal MBA by Josh Kaufman. It is an excellent distillation of all the major concepts in business. You're going to learn about marketing. You're going to learn about finance and sales. You're going to learn about product development. I think one of the most valuable parts in that book is where he breaks down the different types of value. So you can kind of get an idea of like, what kind of value, how can I package my service in different ways? Could it be an actual service where I go out and do something for somebody? Is it a product I sell one time? It is, is it a, subscri a subscription that I sell? You know, people have monthly access to a service that I give them. That's a huge thing right now. Um, is it content marketing kind of thing where I advertise other people's services and my value add is like free education, which is mainly what we do here at College Info Geek. If you can be exposed to those different things by reading a book, then you may get some ideas of what you could do to apply your particular skills in a different way. Um, there's also some podcasts you can listen to. There's one called Side Hustle Nation by my friend Nick, Nol uh, Nick Loper. And uh, I was on it recently, and his podcast is all about starting what he calls a side hustle, a thing you do in addition to your job to make some extra money, which could potentially become a full-time job in the future. If you want to do something similar to what we do, there's also a service called Fizzle, which you can find over at fizzle.co, and uh, they have a podcast that's just all about what they call indie business, small business from independent entrepreneurs, and they have an entire training library of courses that's very similar to lynda.com or like Udemy, but it's all about building an online business if that's what you wanna do. If there is an entrepreneurship group at your school or in your local area, join that. And uh, if there is a local business that you admire, consider reaching out to the person who runs that business, even if it's like a cupcake shop. Just ask that person to coffee, be like, hey, I'm a, I'm a freshman at my university and I noticed you run your own business. I really like the way you do X, Y, and Z. And I was wondering, can I buy you a coffee and pick your brain about how you got started? Would love to know your story. That's really interesting to say. It's good that you say that because in the internet age and in podcasts, it seems like there's this huge, everybody's focusing on internet entrepreneurs, but forgetting that the people who run all the shops they go to are managers and are running businesses just because they're not on the internet doesn't really yeah. mean that they're any less valid of an entrepreneur. I'll be honest, one of my favorite interviews that I've done on this podcast is uh, it's called how to start your own coffee shop or what it takes to open a coffee shop. And that wasn't like nobody, no students reached out to me and they were like, I want to actually, you know, I guess one of them kind of did because one of our friends yeah. wanted to start a coffee shop of her own. And uh, so I told her and you can listen to this episode for the whole story, but I told her, go work at a coffee shop, work your way up to being like the right hand man, right hand woman and learn all you can. That's, that's the way to learn all the little nitty gritty operational details that it takes to run your own coffee shop. You're going to gain so much experience that will help you whenever you get the opportunity to open your own. But then I was still curious. So I found the owner of a coffee shop in St. Louis, Missouri. I emailed him and I said, Hey, I would love to talk to you on the podcast. And uh, that's at episode 114. So if you want to listen to that one, cigpodcast.com slash 114. I love that interview. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was a great conversation. Those particular kind of entrepreneurs have a much different perspective from a web entrepreneur too because yeah. they have products, they have inventory mm -hmm. to manage. If you're selling digital stuff, you maybe don't even know how to run that if you had physical inventory to manage because you're just infinitely selling some course or something then you don't lose any products. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm looking here at number two. Uh, her, her second question is, what advice would you give your 19-year-old self about college and careers? I honestly think we kind of covered that in the first question. 
You know, is there anything you can think of? Like, what would you tell your 19 year old self? Um, I would tell my 19 year old self not to jump into a partnership with somebody else because partnerships are risky. Oh, that's probably a good advice. If nobody has the say so, if it's like a 50 50, if you end up finding out that the partner has a very different philosophy on how to do something or a different type of work ethic, you can run into problems. So partnerships are risky business. And personally, I don't do them now. Yeah. You know, I think there are people out there who are going to disagree with me. I think there will be people who will disagree with me on basically everything I say. But uh, when I was 18 years old, I started rating web design actually with a partner. And it was a total 50-50 share the power. Nobody had any say over the other kind of thing. And it worked fine for our first client until I started to realize that this guy had a far lower kind of work ethic than I did, wasn't really willing to kind of improve processes over time, just kind of wanted to get things done and then play video games. It just didn't work out, you know? Yeah. So we, I basically had to give him half of the assets of the business and we split off and he didn't want to do it anymore. So I kept doing it as an independent, uh, but it was, it was a tough situation and I hated it, you know? Yeah. And before you're just like, yeah, but this person, I want to be my partner is going to be way different. It's really a whole different, if they're your friend, yeah, that's you a never completely know. different side of them. You have no mm -hmm. idea what they're like until you do it. It's kind of like living with your best friend. Uh, oh yeah. You can be best friends with somebody, you know, you see them once or twice a week or even every single day for a few hours. You're great, but that's way different than living in the house with them. And like, now you get, now you start like, to realize like, Oh, months. they actually fart at the dinner table all the time and they never clean their dishes and they leave ice cream upside down on the floor and like never pick it up. Like, oh, I don't like that. Oh, yeah, that one's real, you isn't know? it? I forgot. <laughs> or they let their girlfriend live in our dorm room and she just like has piles of laundry that are probably sentient at this point. Yeah, you just don't you know? know that if you're just hanging out with them every once in a while somewhere. And you don't know what a friend is like in terms of a working relationship until you do it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I am not I'm not the kind of person who would recommend doing that where you both share the power. So. Yeah. You know, I mean, other than that, I think really the first question kind of covered it. Just be open to new opportunities and seek them out and mm -hmm. challenge yourself. Because if you're just kind of if you spend all of your time hanging out and doing cool stuff, spend a good chunk of it. Use your youth well. Yeah. But you're also investing in future you. So take the chances mm -hmm. while you don't have necessarily as many bills, as many responsibilities that yeah. to worry about. You can test something out and fail. Like if you're still living at your parents, you're a high schooler, you can test something. And if you fail, it doesn't matter. If you're in college and you've got loans and stuff, you can test something. And if it fails, you're, you're still in college. You've got a nice backup plan. Yeah, absolutely. And don't pass up opportunities to get involved in the entrepreneurship community at all. You know, one friend of mine, his name is Leo Wiedreich. And I think he's originally from Austria, but he ended up moving to the UK. He and his friend Joel started a company called Buffer, which now has over 30 employees. And Leo is a millionaire. And that has happened in less than five years, I think. Yep. Um, it's pretty dope. But yeah, I talked to Leo. In fact, before I started the, the College Info Geek podcast, I had the College Info Geek interview series, which <laughs> I did like three of them. and They're terrible. Those <laughs> were like the beginning. That is like the first time I ever started interviewing people way back in the day, back in like 2010 or 2011. Um, so any, any kind of skill that you think I have in podcasting, it's because I've been doing it for that yeah. long. You know, I should link to those just if they're terrible. Hey, look, if you think he's good now, 
Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll link to them. Don't feel feel dumb if you can't do super high quality first. For sure, yeah. I am 100% okay with putting those in the show notes. They're terrible, but... (laughs) uh, And I re-interviewed him for the second episode of this podcast, so it's better, and he was more into his journey. But when I interviewed him the first time, he was a student in the UK, and I think him and his friend Joel had found some entrepreneurship groups at their school. I think it was like Warwick University, and... They were able to get fostered there, and then eventually they ended up moving to the States on like a temporary visa. Eventually it became a permanent visa. Bam. Now they're huge. So get involved. There was an entrepreneurship group on my campus. There were things called startup weekends that I went to. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. And start your own stuff if you don't. Yeah. If there isn't an entrepreneur club, you know what's really entrepreneurial? That's true. Start the entrepreneurship club. Start it up. Yeah. Yeah, and if uh, you know if there's nobody or in your local area, find some people online. You know, uh, Fizzle is actually a great place to do that. I think personally for me, the benefit of Fizzle was the forums because they have all these courses, and I occasionally find it useful to go through an online course for something, especially if it's like very very technical. But a lot of the times, I just want accountability, and I just want the ability to talk to people who are also doing the kind of things I'm doing. And in fact, um, the other podcast that I co-host, which is called Listen Money Matters, I didn't meet the co-host that I have now through Fizzle, but I am actually the uh, second co-host who has been with him on that show. There was a previous co-host who I'm also friends with, and those two guys met through the Fizzle forums. Really? And that's how they ended up starting Listen Money Matters, and now I'm part of that as well. That's cool. I did not know that. Yeah, you can meet all kinds of stuff. But uh, speaking of like accountability and stuff, get an accountability partner, like a Jedi Council kind of situation, yeah. as you call them. Yeah, exactly. All right, third question. <laughs> what do you believe is the key to a successful business plan and a happy life? I feel like that's... I feel like there are two keys. Two questions in there, yeah. What's the major key You could be a great business person and a very unhappy person. Look at Scrooge. Yeah, actually. Ebenezer Scrooge. Um, okay, first recommendation for this one, go read the book, The Happiness Equation by Neil Pasricha. I also interviewed him on the podcast. That would have been episode 117. And uh, he has one of his one of his first chapters in the book starts with this realization he had where he's working with all these Harvard MBAs and people who are uber successful and they're not happy. So I what I believe the key to happiness is is balance. Uh, I'm the kind of person who really likes to build things, who gets tons of ideas, who goes really hardcore on everything I want to do. But I also realize I need rest. I need time with friends. I need time to step away from my work. So I think if you have a life of balance where you're creating things that give you fulfillment, that uh, give you a feeling of autonomy, like you're calling the shots, you make the decisions and that you think matter, that is what's going to make you fulfilled in your work. And as long as you're able to balance that with uh, time with friends, time with family, time to pursue things that are maybe away from work, staying healthy, all that kind of stuff. I mean, happiness is a huge topic, you know, but I think it's the main thing is balance between working really hard on something you care about that fulfills you and being able to rest. Yeah, I think that balance is really the most important thing because it's part of the average day, how you balance yeah. that. And the average day, more so than the really cool events every once in a while, is what composes your entire life. Mm-hmm. If you're happy on that average day, you're happy in your life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so for a business plan, 
I'll be honest, I never wrote a business plan for College Info Geek. And the only reason I ever wrote a business plan for Radiant Web Design is because I had to present it at a, uh, a business club I was in in high school. There was like a competition for business plans, so I wrote one for Radiant. But uh, in, your, in, your, in your mind, at least, even if you don't write down a business plan in a Word document and everything, you got to have some priorities straight. So in a business, your revenue is your lifeblood. You know, your profit's your lifeblood. So you have to be considering that at all times. Um, and I'm going to give this a caveat because this is this is something you can go too hard on. You can focus too much on money. But a lot of businesses, especially the online ones, I mean, this is my kind of area of expertise. I've been looking at online business for a really long time. I've been kind of in the industry for so long. A lot of businesses will focus on like traffic or followers. You know, a lot of people are like, if I could just a zillion Twitter followers, if I could just get a lot of Facebook likes, I'd be successful. And they never ask themselves, how does that actually convert to sales? You know? Yeah. And I'm not always the best at this, to be honest. If I were smart, you know, in, in a profit way, I don't okay, maybe the word smart isn't the right word because making money isn't the only thing, the be all end all. We're making enough money to live, so we're good. Uh, but if I were profit minded entirely, I don't think I would make a video every, or I don't think I would try to make a video every single week. I think I would be like once every two weeks is enough and I'm going to work on building products as well, you know, but I have like this desire to make more free videos than I think I probably need to make. And I know several people who have essentially traded having a smaller YouTube channel or a smaller overall audience for making more money because they invest more time in their paid offerings. So, I mean, that's a value proposition and I'm not saying you have to put all of your chips into the make money basket, but you do have to think about like, is this thing I'm focusing on, whether it be Twitter followers or YouTube subscribers or traffic to your website or flyers you put out, you know, is that affecting your ability to make money? Think about every step of the way from getting the attention of a potential customer to the sale or to the conversion of whatever, however you make money, how is that working for you? And how could you improve it? Yeah, a lot of those you know? can be false positives on yeah. how your business plan is actually performing. And is the thing you're offering valuable? That is the main thing here. I mean, that is how business works. That is how the economy works. That's how life works. You need to have something that other people find valuable and you need to be able to offer it at a price that they are willing to pay and you need to be able to sell it to them and convince them that they need it. If you can do that, you'll make money. So if you don't know what your business is gonna be, it's pretty hard to make that plan. So that's why I'm a fan of just making little experiments along the way eventually uh, if you are, if you stay focused on improving and you pay attention to what's going on and what you end up really liking, or you're paying attention to what people are really resonating with that you're making, then eventually you can start to hone in on something that's truly of value and then improve your process from getting the people's attention to having them pay you for whatever that is. But, um, you can also focus too hard on money, you know? Yeah, you know, that's that can be a pitfall as well. So I think a good business also has a, you know, like a bettering the world component. I personally am not excited by businesses that do nothing but make money. Like from a mechanical standpoint, I'm fascinated with how they work, but I, I don't think I would be fascinated doing the day in day out work of a business that's like just profiting me, you know, yeah, you want to doesn't like have an overall good. mission. 
You know, I think the mission of College Info Geek is to make students smarter, better, uh, better able to get the jobs they want, better able to achieve their goals, more capable of getting their work done. We're trying to make people more able to do what they want to do. To me, that's a very valuable mission. It makes the world a better place if you have people who are able to educate themselves, solve their own problems, you know, and then help other people as well. It's a big knock on effect. You know, I don't want to just be like, oh, I'm, you know, I, I buy, what was the one the thing in Parks and Rec where it's like, oh, I buy laundry detergent from this wholesaler for this price and I sell it oh, at this yeah. price and we make this much money on each sale. Haha. Yeah. And maybe you know? it's a brilliant monetary scheme, but it's not inspiring. I'm not, yeah, I'm not inspired by that. So you also have to pay attention to, uh, you know, what are you not going to burn out on as well? If you yeah. got a business idea that you could be blinded by the money in a, in a specific business idea, but if it's something you don't resonate with personally, you're going to burn out quickly. And honestly, a lot of people who start blogs, they fall into this trap or start YouTube channels or any sort of like audience based thing. They get into it saying, oh, that guy makes money blogging. That guy makes this much month for, you know, on AdSense uh, from YouTubing. I'm going to do that because it makes money. With this kind of business, with blogging, with podcasting, with making a YouTube channel, your main asset is an audience that is big enough for you to be able to make money in some way and the trust you have in that audience. And it takes a lot of time to build both those things. So the kind of person who's just focused on making some money, they're going to burn out before they ever get to that point. Yeah. And, and that's a lot about the same thing as goal building and goal setting, because if you like the end point, the end point goal being making money or yeah. let's say building a video game and that's all you envision and that's all you want, then you may not be that happy because most of this is just the journey. Most of it is the spending long nights coding new things that are really difficult yeah. and maybe are stupid. You're just like, I'm just coding the gravity for this thing. That's not the full game. It's not exciting. Well, too bad because 90% of you building this game is going to be the boring small stuff you spend hours on. And 90% of you making money in a blog is you spending hours writing and researching and doing thankless work until someday maybe it pays off. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know about the equal odds rule, right? Uh, yeah. Is, yeah mentioned <laughs> it was the subject of one of my least popular videos, but the people, oh, who, yeah. the people who do like it really like it. There's this scientific concept or the concept in the academic world. Uh, it's called the equal odds rule. And the equal odds rule is that the scientists that publish the most well-recognized and most cited papers and research also happen to be the ones who publish work that is never cited, that just falls on its face. And that is because these are the scientists who simply throw a ton of stuff at the wall to see what sticks. They just do a massive amount of work and some of it eventually rises to the top, but it is built upon a huge foundation of work that never really got anywhere on its own, but it helped build the skills and get you to the place where you could do something great. Yeah. And you they know? didn't stop when their first paper or theory was like, what, you don't like it? Well, then why am I even doing this? Einstein yeah, exactly. just gives up the first time somebody doesn't care about something he says. Yeah. You know, there may be, there's like a handful of blog posts on College Info Geek that have outperformed all others. But if you were to go chronologically, you would not see those, that the handful of blog posts that did really well, you wouldn't see them clustered together at some later time period where I was like all of a sudden good. You'd see them kind of peppered throughout. And maybe the one right before and right after a really good one, those both just sucked. And I'll be honest, there are blog posts I've written that suck. Or that are totally mediocre, not that great. 
Now, I like to think that over time, my ability to craft a very compelling and useful blog post or video or podcast episode has increased, but at any level you're at, you're going to make good things every once in a while. You're going to make bad things every once in a while. So just keep making things. Yeah. Fourth question here, because we are past my half an hour limit, which I almost always go over. What are you going to Sorry, do? Mr. Editor Man. How can I learn business if I'm not taking a degree in it? Personal Simple. MBA. Learn business on your own. <laughs> yeah, I think business existed yeah. before the College of Business. So Find books, find courses online, find mentors and people you can talk to, network with other business owners, take them out to coffee, and do experiments. Do not treat your degree as the only place in which you can learn something complicated. It can be very tempting, I think, when you're in college to assume that your coursework is the be-all, end-all source of knowledge and anything significant that you're going to do with your life is going to come through what you learn in those courses. But yeah. that just ain't true. No, I didn't take very many. You know? I don't take maybe any web development courses, and that's one yeah. of my strongest skills. I didn't take any Spanish in college. Look, here's the Spanish. thing. Um, Learning's up to you. At an objective level, college is mainly good for the signaling value that the degree you get gives you. <laughs> it's like, yo, uh, I'm I'm a recruiter for a company. This person has a college degree. Okay, I know that because they have that college degree, they've made it through four years of intense education. Yeah, they have a minimum level of responsibility exactly. and knowledge. I can assume that. That does not mean that sitting in classes and going through a predetermined curriculum built for a ton of different people is the most effective way to learn something. Sometimes maybe it is. Sometimes it's not. That depends on who you are as a person and what the subject is and the quality of the instruction. Not every professor, not every textbook, not every slide deck is made equal. And I can tell you a lot of the most uh, intricate and useful information I have up in my brain was learned just by doing it myself. Yep. All the, I would say like one of my most one of my most technical skill areas where I have the most skill is in motion design and After Effects animation. And that was like, aside from a couple of classes I took on Skillshare, all self-taught, just looking up YouTube tutorials, looking through the Adobe documentation and just playing around with stuff until I figure things out. You know? So I don't want to knock college. I don't want to knock courses. But I also don't want you to think that that is the only way to learn. There are so many ways to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So you can but, major in philosophy and then start a business. Yeah, exactly. And read the biographies of people who are great businessmen, you know, or women. It's like read what they did. Yeah. Or talk to people you can talk to. So the last question, much more specific. Uh, it is finally, what is your secret to learning computer programming languages? Hey, we have a big episode on we that. We do. We have an entire episode on how to learn how to code. That is episode 106. So check that out. I don't think we need to go super in-depth on that. I mean, that, that entire yeah, episode goes over. I feel like that episode does a, has a pretty good job. Yeah, it really does. It, honestly. Better than we can give in like five or ten minutes right now, I think. Yeah, I mean, the big thing is don't don't treat programming as a skill to be learned on its own at face value, you know? Like, it, programming is a term that seems like something you learn, but if you really think about it, Learning how to program is like the, is like saying, how do I learn how to work with tools? Yeah, you're just learning like, like okay. a system of logic, a system of thinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, there are many different programming languages, and they are all built to solve specific problems or be used in specific environments. So you need to pick one based on the problem you want to solve or the game you want to build or the website you want to craft. 
And that's going to help you gain direction in how to learn that language. You yeah. know, there are little tips we can give you, but it's they're all very specific to the languages. For the I most mean, that's part. probably the best. Just one off three seconds. What do you think is the best tip? You need, get a personal project that you're you want to build. You yeah. want to solve with the programming, because if you're just doing class assignments, that can help. But if you want to do this on your own time, you're not a programming major or something, then you need something to mm -hmm. show for it when you're done that you're going to be proud of. Yeah, exactly. A good analogy that I thought of, which I wish I would have included in my skill building video, but I didn't think of it at the time. Uh, have you ever tried just reading the rule book for a complicated board game? Um, I try never to read those rule books. <laughs> I have tried to do it before. You can learn a little bit, but the pieces don't really fall into place until you start playing the game. And then you're like, oh, that's why yeah. the goblins can't go onto the mountain those... unless you have an extra minion in your army or whatever i don't know those eldritch horror games have a rule book like a mile long oh my god yeah exactly but until you have something to apply what you're learning it's not going to stick you can read through programming documentation you can read through tutorials all you want but until you're using it you know yeah. it's just like with a tool i can tell you grip the hammer in your hand with your hand near the base of the hammer but with a little bit sticking out now, here's the exact swinging motion to use. But until you grab that hammer, you actually start hitting those nails and sort of get the feel for it yourself. You can't build that skill yeah. with any efficiency. Like, it's just in your brain. And once you start doing it, it starts to get into, like, that that metaphorical gut, that gut instinct of understanding it without having to only understand the surface-level logic. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, this episode wasn't planned out in the format of, like, an episode... We're answering one email here. Well, hey, I hope you found this useful. The rest of you, the good uh, news is you can respond with one line. That's that's true. Just the URL. Check out this <laughs> one line. You damn. Did. That's that's my sneaky way around it. <laughs> yeah, and you have to write the description, so I don't even have to write that. Yeah, that's fine. That's yeah, fine. yeah. It's gonna be a dope description. Mm-hmm. So, Megan, uh, hopefully this answered all of your questions in a sufficient fashion. And for the rest of you, hopefully you found this useful as well. I think there's some good stuff in there. Show notes are over at CIGpodcast.com slash 144. Gross. See what I did there? Wait, why is that gross? It's a gross, Tom. It's 12 times 12. Oh, is that the is that the, it's the word gross. for that? Yeah, it's a gross. How nice. do you not know this? Weird. Look, it's almost as if people know different things from each other. <laughs> huh. Maybe I wasn't paying attention to math class that day. I don't know. I only think well, maybe about my it. teacher neglected to tell me that. All right. Well, you learned something new. Yeah. Cool. Well, this is the grossest episode that we'll ever make. Yep. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Once again, you can check those show notes out. You'll also find a link over on those show notes to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. If you want, that helps the show out a lot. So thank you if you choose to do that. But hey, no pressure. And until next week, stay cute.